Dear Romance Besties, this season we will be exploring dark romance. That means I need to give y'all a little trigger warning. We are going to be reading books where consent is murky at best. There will be triggering topics of psychological and physical abuse, manipulation, kidnapping, slavery, rape, bullying, bodice ripping, and sexual assault on the page. If this is not your cup of tea, we get it. We have lots of great books for you in our previous seasons and more coming up next season. Without further ado, Shani, welcome to the dark side. Ooh, thank you, Bridget. I'm ready. Hope to see you all there. Hello, romance besties. Welcome to another episode of Authors at a Glance. With me today is my beautiful co-host, Bridget. How you doing, girl? I am doing so good, Shani. It is so nice to be here with you. Yo, if you guys can't hear it in our voice, we are super stoked because today we're interviewing Avril Ashton. And let me tell you, we love her. Avril is an indie author who writes super dark, super hot dark romance. We went deep into all the dark and taboo elements this week. Avril was so forthright and super funny, and we for sure got really into it. Plus, she gave some excellent writing tips and showed her own work some love, which we loved. I want to let y'all know before we get into this, this is not safe for work. And I know we say that a lot for our episodes, but this one really ain't safe for work. So buckle up, kids, because we bout to go. She needs no introduction. This is our interview with Avril Ashton. Let's get it poppin'. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for inviting me on. You're yeah. my first. <gasps> oh, my yes! God. You're my first. We love the podcast. Cherry is our favorite. You're my very first. Well, we are very honored that you chose us to be our very first. Thank Um, you. I do have to say, just so that everyone who's listening knows, we were going to recall the coroner, and we did read Love the Center for the podcast, as you guys are well aware, because it's coming out this week. I do want to tell you guys that you should also recall the coroner. We're going to talk about it in this interview, but I want to start off by saying, Avril. That book was dark. Okay. It was, yes. I liked it (laughs) because we have been discovering that the dark romances that are recommended to us are a lot of like dark romance with a heart of gold. And we are like real Mm -hmm. cray cray stuff. And that book was cray cray. (laughs) Yeah, I like this because it's yeah, there when I I I write what I like to read, and it was my taste for dark romance weren't being met. There were a lot of, oh, he's the villain, but he's not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a bad guy, but he's not really. And mm-hmm. I wanted to write about the bad guy being an actual bad guy, doing bad guy things, but also he gets to have sex and he gets to fall in love. And he gets to have a happily ever after. Well, so, I appreciate that you're doing God's work. <laughs> Yo, <and> the <laughs> The Lord's work, let me tell you right now. I honestly, like, we've had this conversation. Like, I was just like, why has like somebody, I need someone to lean into the darkness, lean into yes. like, stop, stop taking like, me to the edge and yeah. coming back. I feel like a lot of a lot of authors, they start at that level and they sort of pull back a bit. Um, probably 
afraid of what the readers might think if they sort of take it there. And I like to take it there. I would like to take it there. I would like for you to take me there with you as you're going there. Thank you. That's what I said. I was like, oh, thank you very much. I'll I'll consider it, Avril. I'll consider it. Yesterday in our pre-production meeting, I was explaining Call the Corner, and I was like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, you guys, and then this happens. And they were just laughing at me. They're like, you're a crazy person. But I loved it. I loved it. Okay, so... I do, I do like think it's really interesting, like the balance though between, for instance, like a lot of books, even in dark romance, they kind of shy away from the main characters being violent towards one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I'm wondering how you balance like something like that if they're like torturing the other person or have shot the other person or something along those lines, but then balancing that with the fact that they are going to feel lust and eventually love. Well, I like to, well, if we doing violence, let us do violence and let us be explicit in our violence. If we're showing violence, that's one thing. I am very explicit with my violence, but it's a fine balance between having them be so violent going all the way. And then also having to sort of temper that Mm -hmm. against or with them falling in love or the attraction coming sort of peeking forward. So it's a really fine line. And honestly, to this day, I don't know how I managed to pull that off. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I managed <laughs> to pull that off. I, I really don't. It's, it's, yeah, it's difficult to explain. And I think it's also difficult to execute uh, going all out with violence between two characters who are eventually we know are going to have to fall in love and have a happily ever after, because it's sort of a, a, a you don't want the readers to be like, well, he did all of this. How do they, how do we forgive? And how do we mm-hmm. have them fall in love when they did all these bad things to each other? Which is what you do is you have them do bad things to each other. So he cancels it out. You cancel <laughs> yeah. it out. Everybody does bad things. <laughs> that's, actually, out, so. that's actually a really that, good point. That's how it fits. Do you think it helps that, your, a lot of your main characters are both men versus like a reader might be more uncomfortable with a male character being violent towards a female character. Definitely. Where, whereas like two male characters, it might be less unacceptable, not acceptable, yeah. but less unacceptable. Yes. Yeah. It's a definite, um, it's easier to write violence between two men than it is to write violence between a man and a woman. And I'm actually writing uh, male, female, where the woman is the one who is quote unquote, the villain mm-hmm. and has done some extremely, extremely bad stuff. And she is one of my favorites and I adore her, but I do get pushback. Like I'm, I don't like her. She did that. And I'm, I'm always of the mindset that why is it okay for the man to do all of these things. And we're like, oh my God, he's so dreamy. I love him. He's my book boyfriend. But when a woman does it, it's like, oh, you know, there's always, there's a double standard. And it is easier to write violence between two men who eventually fall in love than it is to write violence between a man and a woman. I haven't yet written that book where a man commits violence to the woman and the woman is not on the same playing field or the same wavelength they're always on the same wavelength that's what we always start off at them always being at the same wavelength Mm -hmm. same 
bad guy, same everything. So it's always equal. No matter what, it's always equal. You know, know, it's funny. It's like, I've been like processing a lot of things from like childhood and stuff like that. But one of the things that that I, it's kind of fucked up, but I laugh at is they had a teacher, um, like this, this person come into my class when I was like in the ninth grade and they gave a whole talk about domestic abuse, right? And they were like, you know, if your dad is hitting your mom, if your dad is, if your dad is whatever. And I remember raising my hand and going, but what if your mom beats your dad? Mm. Right. Right. And I remember that them just staring at me and then nobody asked me anything. Like yeah, they, they nobody just, can possibly conceive <laughs> of that happening. It just, it just like, it, they, it was almost like I, they thought I was joking or mm. something like that, but I wasn't, I was very much like, uh, what if the roles are reversed? Exactly. It, they just kept moving on and didn't even address it. <laughs> yeah, it's not addressed. And that it's sad that we women aren't seen as people who can get violent and who can do bad things. And we're, mostly consider that we accept the violence and we sort of are live with it and um it helps us be stronger and and all and suffer and if a woman decides that you did something to me and I would like to respond violently it's like really but if yeah. a man does like, it it's like oh well, yeah good for him yeah like unhinged yeah. or yeah. something's wrong with you and it's yeah like- it's like go to therapy and you know writing a journal about it, <laughs> but it would, a man doesn't get the same response. If something, if he responds to something in a violent way, it's like expected with a woman, not so much, which is yeah. not fair. No. When you, so you've written a couple different series. Do you map everything out ahead of time or do you kind of like finish one book and then you just are like, what's happening next? Yeah. My, I'm constantly in the what's happening next phase. I do not plot anything. I do not plan anything. Every book I've written has been a blank page and me going, okay, what's next? And somehow it, the book gets written and I'm just surprised as everybody else <laughs> when that happens. Nothing is, for instance, Call the Coroner. I sat down to write that book knowing that, only knowing that Daniel and Stavros were going to be love interests. And knowing beforehand that Stavros had killed Daniel's wife. And I just sat down, chapter one, okay, okay, now what? How do we make it? We already know what's going to happen. How do we make it work? How do we get from point A to point B? I never know. Nothing, none of my series are planned. They're all interconnected, all intertwined. But nothing is planned. It just so happens that as I'm writing, I decide, okay, well, I need a character to to show up. Okay, well, I have a character from a different series. Okay, well, let's bring him in. And then it sort of just takes up on its own. My brain is a wonky and weird place. And it just so happens that there are cobwebs and spider webs and everything sort of intricately makes sense at the end. In the midst of it, I don't know what's happening. I have no clue what's happening. I am always (laughs) surprised deliciously surprised but always surprised when it all works out that's so i don't know it just happens that's so interesting um i 
like I have this kind of hypothesis that our brain is always like all of our thoughts are interconnected. We don't see it. Like our brain is yeah. doing the doing yes. the heavy lifting behind yeah, the scenes. I scene. believe that 100%. Yeah. And then you just walk into a thing and you're like, well, that just, what a coincidence. Yeah. That just yeah. makes sense. Exactly. And it's like, yes. and it's like no. <laughs> yes. All the time. All the time. It's like, oh, oh, oh. So that's why I wrote this in chapter five. Yeah. That's why. Oh, Okay. All right, let's go with it. <laughs> that's awesome. That that's really cool. I um I really I really dig the thing about what you said earlier, but it's about canceling things, you know, like they gotta be bad to each other. They cancel yeah. each other out, then you can find the love. I've been every book we're reading, I have been trying to figure out what's the thing that makes it make sense for the for the characters. How are they finding love? Also, uh, a thing that I I'm finding in dark romance that makes books not work for me is when the main characters have nothing in common. Mm. Like, and that's happening a lot. They just love each other because they see because each other it, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, oh, wow, they're hot and whatever. But I'm like, what sustains this relationship for the course of the book that makes me buy what's going on? Um, and, and it was interesting because uh, your books uh, do something so beautiful. And I would like to say, thank you. Um, <laughs> You jump into the action. Yes. You jump into, like, you don't give me a whole bunch of, like, pages I got to get through before that book starts. And I appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. That was literally my next thing, Shawnee. I was going to be like, talk to us about how action starts on page one. (laughs) (laughs) I, but like I said, I like to write what I like to read. And I like action. I like violence. I like explicit sex. I like everything to keep going and going and going. And if it slows down, then you lose me and you never want to lose me. And as a reader, mm-hmm. I know what, what happens when, I, when the action in a book slows down as I'm reading. So I take that and I bring it into my author brain. And because I'm a fan, first of all, I'm a fan of my books. I am a huge fan of my characters. I reread those books. Can I curse? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I reread those motherfuckers every day and I fan girl just like everybody else so That's awesome I love that so <laughs> I, I enjoy my books so as the re- I, when, when I'm writing them, that's a whole different thing. I want to deal with those motherfuckers those motherfuckers make me cry and they hurt me. but when I'm done with them and they've been published, I go back to them and I read them from the reader perspective and I adore those books. And so being a reader, a voracious, voracious reader, I just finished reading two books before I came on. As a reader, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I want. So basically I'm just writing everything from me and it just so happens that everybody else likes them as well. It kind and of, I like action. It kind of reminds me of like uh, two things. When I was a kid, I would rewrite the endings of books that I hated the endings of, you know, I was like, this is some bullshit. I'm just going to, and I hate like notebooks before fan fiction was like a, like a thing on the internet. And then I transferred to that, but like I had like notebooks and notebooks of like rewrites. Cause I was like, you know what? I want this book to end this way. And then I'd read them over and over and over again. Cause I was like, this is how the story yeah. like should have ended. Um, and I like that you said that you, you're a fan of your own stuff because so many times we, when we talk to authors, they don't ever reread anything. Yeah. Once they put it out, they I just can't. They just yeah, can't. I've heard authors it. say that. You know? I don't. I don't get it. I have favorites. I have favorite kisses. I have favorite sex scenes. I have favorite everything, and I reread those. 
I would sometimes I would go back to read because I need references or something else, and I lose hours just rereading it as if I just discovered it, as if I don't know what's going to happen. I'm laughing at the funny bits. I am crying at the hard and emotional bits. I am squirming at the sexy bits. I am a fan. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I was having a conversation yesterday, and I remember this interview with Adele, and she was talking about how uh, there's some songs she doesn't like that are so old. She's like, I'm not in that relationship anymore. I don't like singing this song because it's no longer relevant and whatever. And I was like, I don't have that problem with my music. <laughs> I go, <laughs> I I listen to my own damn songs and I love that shit every yeah. time. And I don't know if it's because yeah. I'm a Leo and we're a little narcissistic. <laughs> but like, but I don't write love songs. And specifically, I write like situational things. Mm-hmm. And so they're always fucking relevant. And so I, I have no problem re- like singing them or like they are seem always relevant, you know. Yeah. And I feel like if you're writing books for yourself and you're writing the sex scenes that you want to read and the characters you want to read, yeah. that's so yummy to be able to go back. Yeah. And like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like super. I mean, I think uh, the obvious question is, uh, what is your favorite sex scene of all of your books and what yeah. book is it in so that our readers yep. and listeners My favorite, know. favorite, absolute favorite sex scene is from my Run This Town series, book three on Mask You. Um, it is, the, character, the main characters are Elias. He's an assassin and lucky. He is, um, he just so happens to be the son of, the parents who Elias assassinated when Lucky was a kid. So right there, so much conflict, so much oh, deliciousness. Age, age gap too. Age gap, yes. Ooh, a little daddy, established, little daddy established couple. So much heart, heart comfort, so much pain, so much, oof. So It's such a good book. And um, you want me to describe that sex scene for you? Um, yes, yes, we do. Yeah, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Just get comfortable here. But, um, Elias, they go to a hotel. Elias is in a hotel and Lucky goes to him because Elias keeps popping in and out of Lucky's life. Just just random dude who just pops up and Lucky starts feeling something for him. And Elias is like, no, you know, you're too young and whatever, whatever. But also... He knows he killed the dude's parents, so he he can't he can't go there. And Lucky takes it upon himself to go to him in the hotel room, and you know, stuff ensues. Stuff <laughs> in which Lucky tells Elias to crawl, and Elias Ooh. gets on his knees and crawls. Mm. And yeah, what ensues is one of the most filthy, mm. dirtiest mm. scenes I have ever written. And I've oh written some God. filthy dirty. I was gonna say in the two in the two books I've re- read so far, you've written some real out there scenes. I've I written do, some filthy okay, dirty scenes. You just said something that I love, which is um, actually in both the books, I mean in different ways, but someone is like commanding, like you do the yes. dirty talk, so dirty talk. Well, oh my like, God, I do because that's Come one of here, my things. Get on your knees, go on the bed, like. I eat that. That is like uh, Shawnee told me because she started reading this before I did. She's like, Bridget, you're gonna like this book. <laughs> I was like, Am I? Dirty talk is not one of my favorite things to write. Dirty yeah. talk and sex scenes are. I don't like writing them. They're the very last things that I that I leave to write after everything is done. Before my book goes to be edited, is I need to scramble last minute to write the sex scenes because I leave them to the very last minute. I am very uncomfortable writing dirty talk. It is not. I'm not a fan of writing dirty talk. You know, for you someone who well. is uncomfortable of writing dirty talk, <laughs> this comes as a shock to us. <laughs> it seems to come real natural to you. 
What do you like? Have a glass of wine and you're like, let me pop up my alter ego, alter ego and just I listen go to it. explicit. I listen to explicit music and I get into the zone and I just get her done. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's dope. Well, one can never tell if you do. <laughs> right Dirty talk is like that thing though, like so like because I listen on uh everything on audio because it's hard for me to actually read. Um, so it's like the narrator gets to read me all that dirty talk and it is like, ugh, when, Oh my when God, I- that is so, you guys, I was so, I guess so uncomfortable listening. I can't listen to my books on audible because it's so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I personally so don't like it because I'm like you, like, you're like, I finished two books today. And I was like, me too. I, um, <laughs> First of all, I find that I, I read so much faster than I could ever listen to a book. Yeah. Yeah. And also I like, I like that when I'm reading, like my imagination that's filling in the oh, way yeah. I think their yeah. voice might be, or the yeah. way I think they might mm-hmm. look, not even necessarily your description of what they look like, but what I imagined in my yes. mind that yeah. they look like. And I get very, very distracted by audiobooks because <laughs> I'm like listening to their voice as opposed to the story. So it's, yeah. it's. But Shawnee does it so much oh. that she doesn't even... She only notices if it's a really good narrator or if it's a really bad one. If they're in the middle, she like... it. I feel like you don't even notice. You're just no, like listening they, to the like story. they did their job. But I told Bridget the number one best thing to do, uh, like sexually, right? Because also because like a lot of guys uh, that I've encountered aren't good at dirty talk. They get super self-conscious about it. They don't want to do it, you know, whatever. I've only encountered like one person who was like down for that, you know, shit. Um, and so with my partner, I will listen to a dirty book while we're playing. So I have my headphones oh. in oh. while we're playing. And so I I actually really enjoy your scenes because they're like long enough. When you have, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're playing, you don't want to rewind. Yeah, yeah, You don't, yeah. Want, you yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. fast forward. You don't want yeah. to be like, oh, now we've gone to a new scene. You want enough of a scene. So that you can enjoy last, it. yes. <laughs> and there's not there's something so good about listening to an erotic fucking scene while you're playing with your partner. That shit is uh, hot. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uncomfortable like writing the the raunchy talk and stuff. How does it feel like knowing that all of your fans and stuff are, you know, sort of one-handed reading your books, getting off <laughs> that to make, it? That makes me happy. That okay. you know. I I would like to contribute to uh, your continuing sex lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that makes me happy. <laughs> I, I don't always ask this, but because you're an author in, in dark romance, I think it's a little bit more relevant than if you were writing like sweet rom-coms where the characters just kiss at the end in a fade to black. Um, do your like do you write under a pen name? Do your friends and family know what you're writing? Like, do you ever have a friend who's like by the way, I just read your book. <laughs> no, my name is my name. Um, I love my name. It is delicious. And I, when I conceived the idea of starting to write, I wanted my name to be on my book. My husband, I don't really care what anybody thinks. I have my husband who doesn't really pay me any attention. He's like, go do what you got to do. And my family doesn't read, which is like, I don't even understand. How can you not read? But my family doesn't read and my friends, nobody around me reads, but they all know what I do and they all think it's nice and they don't really care either way. I don't worry what anybody says. When I go to the doctor and they're asking, what is your occupation? 
I put ero- gay erotic romance author, you know. Awesome. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. That's yeah. awesome. Good for you. I wouldn't care either. I mean, we were like, our names are on this podcast and like, I have relatives, my mom and sister listen and I'm like, you know who I am. I tell you, I tell you this shit in person. Shani, however, doesn't let her sisters or her mom listen. I am less so. I am less so. Not because I haven't, I, I have 0% like shame over what we talk about on this podcast, but like my mom, I come from a very conservative family. And we talk about like uh, our sec uh, the things we're doing sexually and whatever. And I'm just like, I don't really need them to know uh, <laughs> that about me. And I, I have com- you know conversations also like yeah, that would be weird. That would be yeah. weird. <laughs> also like I'm a polyamorous person, and and the people who are important know, but not everybody in my family knows. Right. So I don't I don't send the podcast to them. I think to listen to this is a com- <laughs> A completely side note, Avril, to your books, but Shani, it boggles my mind that anyone in a family could know something like that and everyone doesn't know because there's no way my family could keep, if one person knew, it might take a year, it might take five years, but someone would be like, <laughs> First of all, someone would let it slip on purpose. They'd be like, so, but you know that she has two partners, right? And they'd be like, what? And then it would be a whole, like, let me just whisper it out in the grapevine. It would like wildflower. First of wildfire. all, I've overheard a conversation with like you and one of your siblings or somebody. And yeah. the, the amount of like, um, like, uh, tr- transfer of information that happens in like three seconds so much. you know what i so mean so much information and like and totally my family does prayer gossip you know like <laughs> you know what i'm talking about where they're like oh we need to pray for cousin reba because reba she's you know she's a lesbian now you know and she needs jesus and you're just like like my family does that type of thing um and, and so like- and spreads <laughs> all the information but i only i mean i've only told the people that like i knew could be trusted with with that information and then I told my parents because I was like it's important for you guys to know this is a part of me I'm not I'm not hiding this that you know and they remark they took it remarkably well for for them and their generation you know uh my mom was like give me a day let me let it sink in you know and I'll get back to you and my dad <laughs> and my dad said he was just like yeah, I'm not the one you got to worry about. You got to tell your mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, dad. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, you know, and then I have like, uh, my sisters and a few cousins that, that know, and that's pretty much it. We're pretty much just not telling like the older aunties. That's really mm-hmm. the, the ones that you gotta, let that have, mm-hmm. you know, opinions about things. Um, but, but yeah, so it's like my cousin, actually, she listens to the podcast, my, my brother's wife, um, and she texted me about it. And I was like, I was unaware that she was listening. And I was like, oh, what have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> She's heard it all, Shani. She's heard She's it all. Heard oh my God, damn. Safi. <laughs> so, Avril, do you, you write full time now? Yes, I do. Yeah. For How? Um, a few years. Since 2013, yeah. actually. That's awesome. You have a Patreon, too. I do, yes. yes. Patreon I, gets all the, all the taboo stuff. Ooh, t- oh, more taboo than oh, your oh. books? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, what doesn't make the books? Goddamn, I'm signing up for this Patreon right now. <laughs> uh, I start all my Patreon, uh, all my, because I, I also write incest. Um, mm-hmm. So I start, I write all my incest in Patreon. And then when it's finished, I then publish it to Amazon. Oh, so they get it first. Yes. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so 
it's kind of interesting. We've had a bunch of different authors on traditionally published, a mix of traditionally, like they publish indie and traditional together, or like only indie authors, like indie authors who exclusively do Kindle Unlimited, indie authors who do, you know, like, so we've done the whole sort of range. And I know we have a lot of listeners who either are authors or are just interested in how an author chooses whether a book should be on Kindle Unlimited or on, like, I know you, um, the one we read, um, it was through some, a website, which the name of the website escapes my brain where we had to buy it. And I'm just wondering, like, Payhip? was it Payhip? Yes. Or uh, yes. Love the Center? Yes. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, how, how do you make those decisions? Like, what have you found that works for you? Uh, most of my books are in Kindle Unlimited. It's what works best for me and for my business. I only have a handful that's not in Kindle Unlimited, and that's because of stuff beyond my control that we do not have the time to get into. <laughs> if I had my way, everything would be in Kindle Unlimited. I'm a huge fan of Kindle Unlimited. So, yeah, but I, it made the most sense because it's so accessible and readers, it's much more discoverable um, for me. It just works. Kindle Unlimited just works for me. Yeah, I, I think Kindle Unlimited is really good for a dark romance um, and like any like real specific niche of romance because it's, it, I feel like those readers are like me where it's like, I'll read a book like the author and then read 20 more. I'll read the whole back catalog if it's yeah. there on Kindle Unlimited, which obviously like you're getting paid for like them reading more of your mm-hmm. books. So um I definitely feel like we were talking with Lucy Lennox and May Archer um, who write uh, male, male romance. Yeah. But more like not dark. It's, it's more, no, they're, oh, yeah, they're, they're wonderful, but definitely in a different section of male, male romance, but they said the same thing. They're like, it works. Like if our readers like us, they read yeah. all the books we have, yeah. um, which is awesome. I, um, I wonder imagine. when it comes to Kindle Unlimited, right? So I have this like hypothesis that, so one, you didn't do this and thank God, like your book ends when it's supposed to end. Right. But sometimes I feel like because people, authors are in Kindle unlimited, they write a whole bunch of unnecessary pages Mm -hmm. because it's done by page count. Yeah. You get paid by Amazon pays you by um, page count by the amount of pages read. So there are authors who sort of stack their pages and fluff it and, it ends at like 50% and then the, the rest is just who knows what. I mean, it doesn't make sense and it's not fair. And so, so yeah. there are we, a lot of unethical authors or people who do that stuff. And, you know, Amazon is kind of on the ball when it comes to, you know, finding the culprits and, and all of that stuff. But yeah, I think it's completely unnecessary. Why? Why do you even do that? I, I was telling Bridget that like when an author does that, I will not pick up another book of theirs. Mm-hmm. Like I, like if you had written the, like I would have read your whole entire catalog if I yeah. loved your, your shit. But now yeah. because you think I'm stupid, I honestly, that's what I feel like. I read it and I go, Oh, you think I'm stupid. Like, you, yeah. you know, I can't. Yeah. And now I can't go. Yeah, more. My, the book is done. The end. Okay. Yeah. Here and my, who I am and all my links and, or oh, do you want to buy another one of my books? Here's a link to get to the other book. And that's it. That's what it, else yeah. is necessary? 
Yeah. yeah. The, only thing, the only thing I accept is like a teaser for the next oh, book. Yeah. So if you Teasers have five pages or 10 pages yeah. of your next book, I'll, I'm fine with it. But if Teasers you're just giving great. me yeah. like 18 epilogues that I like, don't <laughs> care about, I'm like, let's move on here, kids. Like, <laughs> oh, We did a podcast on a book like last year. I forget which one. But I remember being like, ooh, Shani, I don't know if I could finish in time. And then all of a sudden, at like 75%, the book was over. And I was like, well, I don't know what the rest of this is, but I'm ready. <laughs> I guess it's done. <laughs> they put like two books in one. It was like a... Yeah, it was like... Yeah. yeah. It's very confusing. It's yeah, a few confusing years ago, situation. that was rampant. Just like putting like three or four books in one. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I have a question because Bridget and I, we come from the YouTube world. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and- we're YouTubers and other and content creators and that sort of thing. Um, and so like a lot of what we find is that the story uh, comes in the post-production of it and basically in like the edit. Um, and so I'm curious to know if when you're, uh, after you've written a book or you're almost done with the book um, or, or it's heading into editing, has the book just taken like a hard left or have you ever had to scrap a book? Cause you're just like, you know what? It's not really working. <laughs> I've never had to completely scrap a book. I've had to do some deep, deep editing. For, um, one of my most recent releases, uh, Craving You, which is part of my Dread and Terrible um, series, it's, I started writing it in 2019. I wrote 50K words, and I had to completely gut the story. Um, when I really, I let it sit for a little while. And then when I got back to it and reread what I had written, it wasn't really working. And so I had to completely redo and, but I do, I never delete. I sort of remove certain scenes and stash them somewhere on my computer. And then I recycle my scenes. So uh, a sex scene that I wrote for one book will end up being uh, uh, included in a book, like three books later and a dialogue will be moved from chapter 10 to chapter one and all of that stuff. But I've had to really deeply gut certain books, but never, never completely delete. I can't delete. Nothing is deleted. Delete is just no. (laughs) Do you, do you have a book that you feel like you would want to see visually, like in a movie or series? Call the Coroner. Yeah. Call the Coroner. She already know. She already know. It's on my vision board. That book needs to be made into a series on Netflix. Somebody call Mr. Netflix and let him know. I, I, I sound like my auntie. It's, you know what's interesting about dark romance is, and just like books in general, is obviously there's tons of books that have like very gratuitous violence and stuff like that. But I find, and I love watching gratuitous violence on television and movies, but I do know that reading it is much easier than seeing it, if that makes sense. So while I don't disagree and I would watch the shit out of that series, I also am like, that would be really hard yes, to watch for a it would lot be. of people. Because be, yes. that series is, yeah. is dark. It's not well, it's not medium dark. That's yeah. full dark. You know what? I, so I read Outlander when I was young. Like, you know, I don't know, 15, 14, whatever. And that series is incredibly violent. Um, trying to watch this show, I had to stop after season two. I couldn't, like, I just couldn't actually see the things happening. I could read them perfectly fine, but when I saw them, I was just like, oh, my spirit. I gotta, I gotta pray, I gotta pray, I gotta pray about, I gotta pray about this somehow. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's something I think about because it would be a dream to have Call the Carter um, turn into a series on Netflix. But one of the things is, if ever any of my books got optioned for a series or a 
or a movie, I would insist on everything being shown. Like, do not water down my violence. Do not water down my sex scenes. I want everything alive and in living color. Otherwise, it is no dice. Give it to me raw, baby. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're better going with HBO, you know. (laughs) I don't know if Netflix will go that dark. (laughs) Uh, You know what, though? Like, the, the thing about it is, for so long, romance, you know, all these, all of these uh, production, you know, companies and, and networks were not creating romance movies, you know, and, and this was an untapped genre. And now they're starting to tap into the genre and they're realizing how much money it makes yeah. and that, and yeah. that there's an audience for everything, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely an audience for what you make and, and who want to watch it visually, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it, it's very interesting because um, Pornhub, just like wiped all of their like illegal content uploads and things like that. And a lot of taboo stuff got wiped, you know, a very dark type of, you know, sexual stuff got wiped off there because honestly, we don't really know if it was consensual or whatever. And that's why it got wiped, but it had so many views, you know, like it had so many people watching. Yeah. There's always um, a market for, for any, for. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, the fact that what if we if we were to make call the coroner, it's ethically made and people get to see the shit that they want to see. That makes fucking sense. To I mean, me. it's a story and it's a love story. I mean, it just takes a different turn to get a to little, the love. A little twist. I mean, <laughs> just a few little bumps little, and hiccups little. along the way. Cages know, but, and knives. But, you know, the issue. A little bloodletting. A little bloodletting. A little bloodletting. <laughs> Little heavy and light choking, not just light choking, <laughs> heavy choking, all the choking. Torture is like Stavros Kidnapping. says. Yeah. Torture That's, is foreplay, you know. Yes. Yeah, That's well, a, like I mean, foreplay. I mean, I'm in the kink community, and there's a lot of of that consensually done, and people mm-hmm. love that shit. And yeah. I remember watching a went going to like a um like a date. I don't forget what they're called. Not, it's not dangerous play class, but whatever, um, where they did like knife play and all these sort of and needle play and like uh, hooks and things like that. Um, and like people love that shit. Like, yeah, there, you know? like I said, there's an audience for everything. What yeah. what one person, you know, thinks is bad, wrong, disgusting. Another person is just like, yes, give me more. Yummy, so yummy, yummy, yummy. There's yummy. always an audience. There's <laughs> always an audience. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> Honestly, you, your, your books, for me at least, are the first ones I've encountered like it. Um, and, uh, and I'm so happy because it was literally my number one complaint this entire season was like, I'm tired of the heart of gold. I don't care about their heart of gold. You're going to yeah. be, a na- if you're going to be a bad character, be a bad character. Yeah. Like lean, lean in with your whole chest. You know what I mean? Like most of my guys are, well, they're not real. They, they straddle the line between good and bad and they lean heavily to the bad side. I, cause when I first started writing, that's why I wrote the men that I wrote. It's, nice to have the good guy and the nice guy and all of that stuff but I wanted to write about men who were not nice guys and I wanted to write about bad guys doing bad things I did not want to write about the criminal who was a criminal up until 75 percent of the book and then we find out that he was actually an undercover cop who was just (laughs) pretending to be bad for bad sake and so that's why in Love the sinner. Angelo is a bad guy. He has his mother who he adores, who adores him. And he has his friends 
and he falls in love with the cop who's trying to take him down, but he's an actual bad guy. And I show you. Yeah. How, he like kills people. He keeps killing guy. people. He doesn't yes. like, like I, I, love I thought that one nice thing is that I don't like when, so I, I don't mind love at first sight. Like one of my favorite tropes is like faded mates in paranormal. Me and too. so I'm totally down for that. Like yes. I'm down for like that animalistic, like, oh, That's I saw them and they're mine. <laughs> Give them to me. Yes. I deserve them. They're mine. <laughs> but I'm glad that you, at least so far in the ones I've read, you, you don't have like, oh, they met them. And so then they changed their whole life that moment. Yes. Like, yes. I don't mind that they like change their life or that they mm-hmm. decide to evolve as a person. Um, but I don't want it to be like, and that second, they all of a sudden stop killing people when they're an yeah, assassin. And it's like, that's what, did that, they though? I was also very assassin. conscious of that. Uh, I was also very conscious of that when I wrote um, Angela, because there was a point when Angela had to make some decisions about what he was going to do if he wanted to be with Gabe, um, what he was going to do. And he made those decisions, but they weren't, I mean, they weren't all cut and dried. Gabe no. didn't like some of the decisions that he made and yeah. he didn't, ch- there wasn't a moment where he changed for Gabe. He changed because the the time had come for him to change and he wanted right. something better. He wanted right. something different. And in order to get those things, yeah. changes had to be made and he made yeah. those, but it and wasn't, there were consequences too, yes. which I enjoyed. Very, yeah. I, I love a good caper movie where like everyone squirrels away from the law, but I'm like <laughs> in reality, like most people eventually who are in organized crime die or go to prison. Yeah. That's just a fact. And so it's a fact. I liked, and I there are consequences that. to the choices that he made and he had to live yeah. with those consequences. And yeah. then when he got a second chance, what was he going to do with that second chance? How was he going to, you know, move forward? Sweet, sweet yeah. love. That's what he was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the one the one thing I did I like about this Love the Sinner, right, was that like, yes, it was there was a, the sex was like, oof, you know, but it was also so sweet. Yes. It was yeah. so like and, and the balance of that was so yes. good. Yeah. I was I like so hard on that. I was like, oh my gosh. I like like yeah. you know, it's so a weird because heart. like yeah, like Angelo's, you know, doing whatever he's gonna do, whatever. And but yeah, like I never find that in dark romance. I'm sitting there going like, yeah. and th- this is the first time I've ever seen the dark romance. Being I like, was very oh. conscious of the balance because I didn't want to show him being all bad, and I didn't want to show him being all sweet and lovey dovey with Gabe. So there was, they had to be a balance. And so you would see him go and kill somebody, and then you would see him go to Gabe, and he would bottom for Gabe, and he would love his man, and he would kiss, hug him, and. They're my first men and I adore them, especially when Gabe would grab him by the throat. Uh-huh. Good Lord. And just oh, throw up against lo- the wall. We love a, a good scene where they're just <laughs> dominating. Domination. I, I like the differences because I really wanted to show his strengths when he was being Angelo, the, you know, mm-hmm. the bad guy out in those streets doing his bad guy thing. He had to be strong and there was never a moment when he was not strong. But when he went to Gabe, he was able to sort of put that weight down yeah. and just yeah. be a guy who was in love yeah. with this other person and trying to f- make it all fit. Yeah. He, he gave me like in books. Thing. I do like in books when there's like the, the character has enough strength that like when you crash against them and like keep pushing, they are like, yeah, I'll take it. Give me more. What else yeah. you got? Like I, I'm, I'm a fan. Of- That's also what I think I like about gay romance in general, because like um, when two guys go at it, you just, they can go harder. Yes. Like, 
they can yes. just go hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, that's a good thing. He reminded me, Angela reminded me of the last show that I really watched that was like the most violent was The Wire. Mm. And um, there was a character, I can't remember his name, but he was like uh, the guy who like ran the streets and he was gay and he always had like a boy toy and then and he was ruthless, you know, and people would make fun of him for it. But he was like ruthless and everybody was scared of him and he would just come out of nowhere when it, like when it, like when you weren't expecting him, he would just come out of nowhere. and like. And I just remember that that was the best, like, that was the best character. I think he's, like, number one, everyone's favorite character from that series or whatever. And that that's kind of what I, what it reminded me of, like, Angelo reminded me of. I really he, loved Angelo because he was, he was so in love with Gabe. From the moment he met Gabe, he was so obsessed with Gabe. And I just... There was a softness in him that I didn't expect to write. Or I was like, okay, I'm going to write about this, uh, this um, gun runner and this cop who is going to fall in love with. I, I expected it to be just dark and dark and dark. And he really surprised me with the way he, the way he was so soft with Gabe and, and so tender and so, so loving. It surprised me. I was, and it was so sweet. I didn't expect that from him because I, when I go into uh, writing a book, I don't know anything about the characters as, except the most one or two points of, okay, he's this person and he's going to do this. That's really all I know. So as I'm writing chapter by chapter, line by line, I'm discovering who they are. And as I wrote, I wrote moments of the story and I saw his interactions with Gabe and, and how he just allowed Gabe to be his man and to take him over. And he just sort of melted into Gabe, you know? And I was like, ah, that shit is so sexy. How <laughs> how, how you just going to go to your, you're just going to kill up somebody and, and all of that stuff. You are here just running those streets and then you go home, you go to Gabe and you are like on your knees and yeah. you're just like on your, come on, it's so yeah. sexy. There's just That's something about idea. when someone's was, an, ass, yeah. an asshole to everyone else, but like a sweetheart for you. It's yeah. just, there's just a, something about <laughs> yeah. it. I love are you, are you planning on doing, uh, putting Call the Coroner on audio? I've been trying for ages to get Call the Coroner on audio. And it is so hard because Daniel Nieto has something going on with his voice. As you know, he has um, established tried to kill him and fucked up his voice. And so it's so difficult to get um, a narrator who can bring, kind of bring me that voice. Yeah. Like I've, I've been having so many auditions and I can never quite get that voice down. And, it's, and that's like one of the major drawbacks with getting all of my books to audio because I have a lot of um, a lot of men who aren't um, English. So, because I have a lot of diversity in my books and so everybody has a different accent from right. a different country and especially yeah, with Daniel. Is Greek, it's like, so it's like yeah. everyone's from a different so place. And is it something you think you could actually achieve with, um, an effect on the actual audio file, like on their, on their voice? I have no idea. It's, I haven't tried it yet. I'm still trying to get um, Shani used to produce audio books. That's what she used to do with her ah. partner. I'm still auditioning. I have, I'm so far nothing, but I would love to do it. Well, I, I'm I'm curious because so so like Bridget said, we used to produce audio books for Audible, um, but also I'm a musician, right? And so um, 
just I just deal with a lot of effects, vocal effects and that sort of thing. And so I'm wondering if it's possible to get a voice that's close to very close to what you want and then play with the effects that can actually be put on that voice to make it more growly, to make it a lower, right, to make yeah. it a little bit more affected um, instead of trying to like, you know, audition everyone under the sun. To, to, yeah. To, to, <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm on the hunt for the perfect Daniel Nieto voice. And it seems like it's not out there. It's nowhere to be found. What you need is someone who is like a lifelong smoker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who's maybe like two or three days into a bender. Mm -hmm. Who is possibly out at the club screaming (laughs) to his favorite musician all night. (laughs) The next day he wakes up and he's Daniel Nieto. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. I frog in there. I need this book to be accessible. Okay, yeah. I need this book to be accessible to everyone. I feel like, ev- like you know, everybody should be able to <laughs> to, read, to enjoy this book. Bridget tells me the books that are on audio. I was super yeah. jealous. I was super jealous. The books that are not on audio, she tells me the story. She, yeah. <laughs> um, which is with great. quotes too. With I like. To, I like to really make it an experience. <laughs> she does the sexy talk and, and all the things, <laughs> which I love because that's actually my sister used to tell us stories when we were kids, like books that we weren't allowed to read, like Harry Potter, we weren't allowed to read. So she actually told us like verbally the entirety of the story um so so I totally dig it um but I was just like how what like I was like I need to read this book I need to and I I try sometimes books that I'm like super fan of I'm like okay it's not an audio I'm gonna try to read it and it's just like possible I can get through like maybe a couple pages and then my eyes just really like nah yeah yeah Um, it's yeah it I've been trying and I'm probably gonna I didn't know how it's gonna work but it's really up high on my to-do list of things to get done. That's the number one request of all of my books that aren't in audio. Call of Corner is my number one requested book. So yeah. I'm trying to get it done. Give it to the people, man. The people <laughs> if they say they want it, if they say they need it. <laughs> Give it to them, please. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's well, awesome. Amber, what are you reading? Like, what do you, do you have any good recommendations for... You know, if, if people are, you know, you read kind of the genre that you write, what of your books do you think like you would want them to start with? And what are you reading? I'm reading, mostly I read 90% of what I'm reading nowadays is MF, so straight romances. And I go through different phases. When the whatever book I'm working on, if it's not working for me, then I'm just glomming on to all MM, but if whatever I'm working on is sort of hitting my reader spot, then I, I go to MF. So right now, what I'm working on is hitting all the bases for me. So I'm reading a lot of MF, um, a lot of uh, Black romances. That's, I'm obsessed. Um, and But I do have my faves with the MM. I read a lot of Riley Hart. I read a lot of uh, Nikki James. I just finished reading Kay Webster's latest. I think it just came out today, which is a paranormal wolf shifters. Really good. Ooh. But if mm-hmm. readers wanted to That's find. My, you just hitting my catnip. I'm obsessed with shifters as well. <laughs> but if readers wanted to know where to start with my books, Love the Sinner and all the books in the Brooklyn Sinner series. That's like the very, that's like the intro into all my books because for some reason my weird brain has decided that 
every other series that I've written thus far branched out of the Brooklyn sceneries. Yeah, every I saw, is it, is it Siren? Siren? Siren, yes. Siren, I was like, oh, I recognize his name. Look at you. Just Siren is all over. <laughs> Siren is one of my most favorite characters. My most beloved as well. Yeah, nice. he definitely seems like the guy who's like trickily got his little fingers and all the little pies. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah. you guys he knows can't everything touch about him. everybody, like, yeah. and he's just untouchable and so yeah. just always there, always up in everybody's business, and just I love him. Yeah, well, I'm excited to read more of uh, more of the books that he's featured in. Um, <laughs> I we always like to ask this, this is one of our newer questions, but we getting such good answers that we enjoy it. Um, if you had any relationship advice, real life, not, not like, Hey, if someone shoots you, you should forgive them and happily <laughs> ever after, but like real life, uh, advice for maintaining a long relationship. Happily. Um, I've been with my husband for 18 years I don't know how that happened. It just happened. We just, I guess we like each other. Um, laughter. He makes me laugh, laugh. And we have a, um, we're friends. So you have to be friends with your partner. You have to be able to laugh. Like to me, that's the most important thing and make sure they feed you. Cause I have, I like to eat. And if your partner feeds you, then, I mean, that's the most important thing. If they feed you, then they love you. That's that's it. But no, laughter is most important. I mean, there you're gonna have some hard times because especially if it's a long relationship, you're gonna go through so many things. But if you have a sense of humor, you know, not afraid to just be silly with each other and just 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 let go and be silly with each other, then I think that sort of it makes everything better. As long as you can laugh each other it it fixes so many things laughter fixes everything i agree avril i feel like we're like long lost separated (laughs) (laughs) this whole interview i've been like me too oh my gosh this is really awesome yeah so awesome to talk to you thank you guys for inviting me it was so comfortable i was a little bit nervous i was a little bit scared this being my very first time and all, but you guys made it painless. It was smooth. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank, you. oh. thank you, girl. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I'm going to use that as a soundbite on our uh, website. It was smooth. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us. And we'll make sure that everyone can check out all your books with links on the website. And uh, this has been so fun. Thank you. I had so much fun. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.